Welcome to a very special episode of All Talk FC. It's the international break, so we've got nothing else to talk about. We've got some questions from Twitter. Thanks, Rory. We'll do a little bit on England's massive win against San Marino. We've got a lovely game. We've got front three, back four, and all of our regular fun. Let's go! Right, so uh, before we start talking about how lovely England is, apparently I'm to talk about how lovely uh, Danny's England top is for all oh, those who aren't watching us on YouTube. Thanks, Chris. That's, that's very nice of you to say. That's all right. That's all right. It was weird. You, you, you said that um, your girlfriend or your wife, rather, excuse me, laid it out for you this morning for you to wear. That's interesting. <laughs> Ironed it and everything, yeah. Did she think you were playing or something? <laughs> Did you put your shin pads yeah. and your boots next to it? The difference is you can't see... Yeah, you know, I'm actually wearing the shorts and the shin pads. <laughs> you just can't see it. He's got his studs on with mud right in there. Yeah. yeah. So we've... around the house. Yeah. So what I've put on Twitter is that we're going to try and do, for as long as our shirt collections allow, a different shirt every Monday. So okay, well, he's I... up with his 1982 England shirt on. Yeah. I'm sporting a lovely Gremio shirt. That I picked up off of um, Depop a few weeks ago. Um, Chris, you've let the team down, to be honest. Uh, no, I'm 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 more of a five-a-side type uh, kit player, so you just wear colours. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. And it could, it could be worse. He could be wearing skins. So <laughs> hey, look, we could do that right now if you like. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. Uh, no one wants to see that. Um, do you want to do a little bit on England? You know, can I can I start actually with this England one? I'll start. Um, do you know what I did not realise? Because we was me and Rory watched it at his house on Thursday. Um, We're still and, meant to be in lockdown. Oh, uh, yeah. uh, we watched it at a distance. So, through, the, yeah. through the window. Yeah, obviously through the, the window, window, like the yeah. older um, TV licence advert. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I did a bet for both teams to score and England to win 6-1. What I hadn't realised is that I've never, ever seen San Marino play before. And they are bad. Like they're not they're not like bad for like championship level. They like one of us could beat them in a foot race. They were so slow. They're they're, they're not great. So um, that was my that was my biggest takeaway. Yeah, I mean they're, they're officially the worst team in the world. Officially. Oh really? Wow. Yeah, yeah. they are the bottom team in the world. Yeah. I saw I saw England's team. And I thought surely they're going to concede one, but yeah, I guess not. No. I'm See, not. I was I I I too have never watched San Marino, um, and I don't usually watch internationals like. Like that, those type of internationals I may have on, but there's no point in sitting down and watching them. I mean, even though we did, we, we were talking, yeah, we were talking about this while the game was on, and you said, like, what sort of standard do you think they are? Um, mm. I, I went into it expecting kind of like Ryman Lee Conference South standard, and to be honest with you, like, nowhere near that. Like, ge- like, genuinely, I like, I think it would be disrespectful. Um, to Ryman Prem teams to say that to, to you know to, to say that they were that level I would I would back a Ryman Premier League team to turn them over quite comfortably did you and watch was, did you watch the Albania game then because uh, are Albania any better <laughs> yeah Albania disappointed me actually because they're meant to be like um, one of the emerging nations like um, a little bit like Macedonia and yeah North Macedonia North Macedonia, good. They've got a good side. That's what I'm saying. Slovenia have improved a lot in the last 10 years. So I expected like something similar from Albania. But 
apparently a lot of the Albanian um, players or that are coming through have gone and played for Kosovo, oh. which is why they've weakened both teams because the talent pool is now divided in half pretty much. Are, are, are the um, are the Jacker brothers? Uh, was it one Albanian and one Swiss or something? Yeah, or was that Kosovo? I think it was Kosovan. Chris, you're going to need to check that. It was, uh, I'm not going to, yeah, I'll do that right now. I'll get IT on that. Um, Yeah. Granit Xhaka is an Albanian, but an ethnic Kosovan, I believe. And I only know this because I used to work with a dude who who was Kosovan, but he was like, yeah, but I support Albania because, I mean, either he's an ethnic Albanian or one of the two. But yeah, I was disappointed with them as well. With the, Going back to the San Marino game, I thought that I thought that England pretty much went two or three nil up and then just sort of switched off. There was no kind of there was no penetration, there was no front foot. You know, they just kind of thought, well, we're going to keep the ball. We're not going to. I mean, to be honest with you, I think England could have probably scored ten if they'd have wanted to. Yeah, of course. Well, that was the point, right? That was Southgate. Southgate was disappointed with them afterwards because he was like, we could have put more away. Uh, at the end of that game. And and Dan, you want to say what was the main difference between San Marino and Albania was that Albania had a bit more athleticism to him. I've seen Chilwell when he was against San Marino practically jogging and flying by his opposite number on the, on the wing. And, you know, you're literally playing with, like they, they weren't even trying. There was, it was like playing, it was like men against boys. Whereas Albania, at least you're like, all right, there's a bit more competitiveness. There's no like, Taking it for granted, just just job. Albania qualified for the Euros, didn't they? Yeah, I mean, they, 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 they're not a bad side at all. Maybe yeah, they they're played not, badly. They're, they're but... not scrubs. Do you know what I mean? With San Marino, I think you can start introducing that question where they start saying, "Well, how good's the England women's team? Would they be able to beat?" <laughs> you know, where I think that's a good shout. That's a yeah, good shout. without with Albania, it was just it's just a lesser side. And the thing that's a disappointing with England watching them year in year out is that. I, I don't know what other teams you compare it to. The only one really comes to mind is like a, a, a Man City is that when you play teams that are lesser than you, you're not looking for a 2 nil comfortable win. You want to you want a chance to showcase your abilities and just show them that they should not be in the same pitch with you. There should be a killer instinct and, and a clinicalness to it. And England don't really show that when they play teams like Albania or like Egypt, which we saw in, uh, in person a few years ago. It's like, just... Just kill them off. Just kill them off, like in the first half. So the second I, half, you can do what you like. I think. I think that's. A, I mean, look, you can only be. You can only play what's in front of you. You can only beat what you're asked to play against. And I think they did a very professional, simple job. No one got injured. No one did any stupid. No one got yellow cards. They scored a few goals. Like do what they just did. What they needed to do to get through. It's all about this polling game. No, and I that's don't. The only one that matters. No, I, I think you're being a bit too kind because it's not. It's not though. Like Albania made it very difficult. You're looking for for for. For clinical finishes, like there should be at least a couple more goals in there. If you're Mason Mount's finish score, was quality. Mason Mount's yeah. finish was absolutely clinical. Mm, but Kane had a few. I think Lingard might have had one. Like there was a there was a few where they could have at least scored. And, and you what are you talking about the Albania game? Now? Yeah, the Albania. I know yeah. obviously that that we're not talking about San Marino game. They had shot after shot after shot. Their keeper, mm. you know, sign him up. Like he, he was mm. quality. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think look, it's all gonna it's all gonna come down to. Um, to Poland on Wednesday, as Danny said, like, and and now obviously they're missing Lewandowski as well. So I expect them to win. I mean, yeah. Poland actually going back a few years have had like a few really good tournaments where they've gone into it really fancied and they've just always flattered to deceive. Even right back to 2006, people were talking about Poland as dark horses and they, and they lost their first two games and went out of the group. 
um, in the last World Cup. People looked at their group. They had Senegal themselves, and I believe Japan were in their group as well. Anyway, they lost their first two games again and went out. Um, Everyone always writes off Japan, though. And I, rem- I remember, I think yeah. it was, was it Okazaki? It was one of those, you know, it's like an average Prem player, but looks absolutely dominates looks their brilliant. team. Yeah. I just, yeah. Can you think of the fourth team in that in that World Cup group that Poland had? No. no it, was Senegal, it was Senegal and Japan, anyway. Well, um, do you know what it is? Do you know what it is with Poland? And this is where I think sometimes I'm like, why am I, why am me, me? Why am I in a football podcast? Because I know nothing. And I realise everyone does the exact same thing as me. You see a name on a team that you, in the World Cup team that you think, oh, I know that guy. He plays for like a Juventus or a big team, a Bayern Munich. You think, oh, that's got to be a good team. Not realising the rest of the team's shit. And then yeah. you go like up against a Japan where you barely know anyone. And all of a sudden you've got a, a, a team that can work and play together. Like right. if I say but, Lewandowski on the team, I'm like, oh, I'm picking them. I would, I would argue, look, let's go back to when they hosted in 2012. Not only did they have Lewandowski, they had but, uh, Borussia Dortmund's whole right side, who had just got to the Champions League final. So they had Piszczek and Blaszczykowski down the right. They had Zielinski in the middle and Abraniak, who had just played really, really well for Bordeaux and was about to get a move, I think, to Werder Bremen. They had Camille Glick at centre-half. I don't, and then, and then, he, had a good, he had a good tournament. He had a really good tournament. So we're talking now, we're not just talking one or two players, we're talking five or six. And then four or five other players who played for the likes of Legia Warsaw and um, who's the the, the Poz, uh, Lech Poznan and teams like that. But you'd think with five players that are playing for Borussia Dortmund, Bayern Munich, Napoli, etc., etc. Monaco, I think Glick was playing for. I think they were really disappointing. I think I think with Poland, I mean, it's easy to look at like a team like Armenia and go, yeah, they've got Mkhitaryan, they must be half decent. But with Poland, they've actually got five, six, seven decent players. And they all, I mean, there's a, I'm trying to think of the guy, there's, a, there's, a, there's one from Napoli and there's another well, one in the middle of midfield. Do you know what it might be? Do you know what it might be? You know, uh, obviously... I talk about how me playing rugby all this time. It's like Tonga, for instance, they've got all these teams, all these players that are on all the best teams in the world. And you see a picture of the Tongan Rugby Federation and it's just a hut. Like they have, <laughs> they've got Poland probably have no coaching, no, yeah. no infrastructure, like no training. But the, but the thing I is, want to Google what their, what their, but, what their thing looks like. See, I think, I think you'd be surprised. Poland have big stadiums. They have, World-class players. I mean, I, I don't know if you'd call Milik world-class now, but he's he's up, he's a, he's a decent player. I don't even know who he is. Um, he has just gone to a team in France, maybe Nice, but he did play for Napoli. Um, Milik's a good player. Lewandowski is the best striker in the world. Um, I don't think we'll find many arguments against that. Um, Zielinski has sort of, he's always been one of them fringe players for Napoli, but has always looked really decent. Um, I think Poland... There's just something, you know, the way when we had all these star players and and there was just something fundamentally wrong. I think, I think Poland is that. I don't, I don't for one second. If you were talking about say Slovakia when they had Marek Hamzik and a couple of other players, then I'd agree. Yeah, maybe they're a bit overrated. But I think Poland have really good players in most positions, but just always flatter to the sieve. Mm. I think Poland would be. Do you know what? If I was starting a new football manager tomorrow and I had to be an international manager, Poland would be one I'd like to have a crack at. With Lewandowski up top, and you know, we're missing we're missing the most important thing about international week, which is right. that you can you can put a sixteen fold accumulator and have a guaranteed win because you actually <laughs> can't though. Who was it who let me down the other day? Poland, Hungary, who was it? Someone Spain. Drew two, two. 
Spain with Greece. Oh, and France and Ukraine. Spain, Spain let me down. So do you want to hear my? Do you want to hear my? Um, Sweden. My, my ten to one, fifteen fold for this week. Go Go on. I've got. Um, Hold on, Danny. Where are we? Hold, Danny, sorry. You said you did a fifteen-team acker, and you only got ten to one. Yeah. Well, yeah, because oh, they're all like one to sixty-six. But they're all they're all like one to thirty because they're playing ridiculous. This is my point. It's it doesn't matter because they're they're the playing teams that never ever win. So I've got the Faroe Islands going to lose. I've got Kazakhstan to lose. I've got San Marino to lose. Lithuania to lose. I've got Germany to beat Macedonia. I've got um, France to beat Bosnia. I've got Andorra to lose. I want Latvia to lose. Montenegro, Luxembourg to lose. Malta to lose. Are you are you go through all of these teams and you're like these these teams don't win games. The beauty of the international week is you can almost always guarantee there's yeah. 10 or 12 results that you know are going to happen. And the odds aren't great, but stick a tenner on it. Happy last, days. Last point to this. The teams don't have to lose. They just have to draw. So they... Yeah, but come on. Anyway, that's, Question... uh, I, that's what I like about the international break. Question time? Question time. Let's okay. go. Right, so uh, Rory's building up our little social media platform. Thank you, Rory. We actually spot. passed 100 followers this week as well. So. Congratulations. 100,000. That's amazing. I know. Oh, well, we've got to do some- <laughs> How many of them are asking to send us horny pictures? No, unfortunately. <laughs> I'll send them your way yeah. if they do. You wait. Next week when we, played, uh, when we play skins and, uh, and not skins, then, then there'll be a request. Yeah, right, shirts so and skins. We've got three questions from, uh, from our loyal fans. Um, so I might, we'll just go for the first one. So this one's from Matt. He's at from 1 to 11, and he's asked a question, good question, is the Europa Conference League really UEFA's way of spreading the European joy to lower nations, or is it just to push them further from the elite? Now, before we go into answering that, can I'm going to attempt to at least, hopefully briefly, outline what the, um, the Farmers League is, and <laughs> see if we can all get, I guess, a base understanding. Is that all right? Yeah. Sure. So the, the Conference League is a third European league, right? There's going to be 150, where are we at? 184 teams. There's going to be three qualifying rounds with one playoff round, which you might as well just call it four qualifying rounds, mm-hmm. which then you qualify for a, uh, with the playoff rounds, then there's group stages, then knockout stages, correct? Correct. The, I- go. Right, so hold on, wait. Right, go on, go on. I'll let you finish explaining because I've got a little bit to say on this. Well, let me, yeah, let me just finish explaining them. Right, so then in no in that playoff round, no, the winners of the qualifying rounds, the basically the top half of them go into the conference league. The bottom half play in a playoff with the third ranked team from the group stages from the Europa, Europa League. league. And they then make the playoff round, then then plays in the conference. Correct? And then we Correct. have the group stages and then knockout okay. stages. I see uh, wait, Any, anything else? Uh, what is the... Oh, and the winner. Yeah, the winner of it gets yes. to be in the Europa League the next year. Very good. Okay. Lovely. Do the, am I right in thinking that the that like the seventh and eighth place teams in the UK, in England, get in? Ah. Only, only one team. Only one team gets ah, in. So... The way that it works for so, um, you know, obviously we get we get certain berths based on whether you're ranked within. Yeah, based on our coefficient. Yeah, yeah, based on the coefficient. The winner of the Carabao Cup gets the Conference League uh, placement. 
Okay, so but if the winner of the Conference League, if the Carabao Cup, uh, is in the top four, or the top six, it drops then, down. I think it might be the FA Cup winner as well. Yeah. If the FA yeah. Cup winner is both in the um the top four or the top six, then it drops to seven. Right. So what I'll say is because they're coming ninth. (laughs) What I'll say is in principle, to answer the question, in principle, I like the idea. But what I would do is I would remove the big five leagues for starters. So I'd remove England, France, Germany, Spain, Italy. Well, before that, can you just can you address the question directly? Yeah. And then you can go on any tangent you want. Right. So, right. So, so repeat the question just one more time. Is the Europa Conference League uh, really UEFA's way of spreading the joy, uh, European joy, to lower nations, or is it just pushing them further from the elite? So, my answer to that would be: it could be. It could be a genuinely really good way of getting the so-called lesser nations involved in European competition further in. But what I think they've done by introducing um, like the seven four eight spot or the League Cup winners from the UK or, or for, say from the UK from England, is that you're going to have like the Faroe the Faroe Islands champions or let's say the champions of Slovenia are just going to get beat four 0 in August to Aston Villa, and th- their Europe's going to be done already. What I would be in favour of doing is not only taking out the big five leagues. Now that I've thought about it. I'd also take out the likes of Ukraine, so there'd be no Shakhtar or Dynamo Kiev. I'd take out Switzerland, so there was no young boys. I'd take out Portugal. Oh, I'd take I'd take out the Netherlands. I'd take out Belgium, and you, then you could have a truly sort of Europe-wide competition for the likes of Sligo Rovers, um, for the likes of Shamrock Rovers. Shamrock Rovers. I've been to. I've watched Shamrock Rovers live. Actually, funny enough, for the likes of Dundalk. For the they likes are kind of, of doing it. Though. They're kind of doing that. So the the seventh the seventh place or winner of the Carabao Cup only comes into the Conference League at the final playoff before the group stage. So there are three rounds of of uh, teams playing before those big teams come in. So that's what I mean. But why why include? Let's say for example. That that team this year is Aston Villa or or Leicester. Maybe Spurs. Let's go Spurs. All right, let's okay. go Spurs. Let's go Spurs. Yeah. Spurs are gonna probably not gonna play another good team until they come up against somebody like a Werder Bremen or a Leverkusen, probably in the last four or the last eight. Uh, whoever finished in a similar position in Germany. I and I just see that that as pointless. Like, what do they get from hammering the likes? I mean, it's a bit like the early stages of the Europa League. Now it's becoming almost farcical. Like. Watching Arsenal stick five past Mulder, or I, I watched the game. We went to a game actually, Chris. I can't remember who we played. Karabag, that was it from Kazakhstan. Karabag. Genuinely, so Arsenal's kids. In the Champions League, yeah. yeah, this was in the Europa League last season or last season or the season before. Arsenal played their kids. It was one nil, but it was the most one-sided one nil I've ever seen in my life. It was you missed the, the single most important point, which is why they've done this, which is for these little clubs, which is that one game against Arsenal is the biggest payday they've got in the last 30 years and that they're going to get in the next 20 years. Well, they don't care if they get beat 9-0. Yeah, well, well, let me ask you this question then, as a darts player who's played at, you know, at somewhat a high level. You you can just lost darts. out in the final, didn't he? To, uh, if, you, if, you, if you was given a berth in the World Championship darts uh, Ali Pali, right, in the first round, knowing that you was going up against uh, Michael Van Gerwen and your payday was going to be 10 grand just for turning up. 
would you do it? Of course I'd do it. But well, I also think that there's, that there's, like, for example, in the world, they invite the top 64. I'm, I'm talking darts now. They invite the top 64 players in the world, which mean that even Van Gerwen, Van Gerwen can't go up there and throw a 75 average and win. So that's what I would say. Whereas, whereas Arsenal, when they're playing the likes of Carabag, could go and throw the, 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 the equivalent of like a 50 average and probably still win. Whereas if Van Gerwen's playing number 64 in the world, he's still going to have to probably throw a 90 or a 95 average to beat him. And I think that's the difference. I just yeah, so the top 64 are already playing in a different competition down the road. Yeah, so, but I think maybe, but then I think if you take out if you take out the so-called big guns, then there's a chance for like Shamrock Rovers to genuinely and go and watch it. it. The difference there is why watch it? Who is interested in watching well, the yeah, champions of Slovenia against the champions of the Faroe Islands? Who cares? Danny, no one's going to watch it. Danny, I probably would watch it, but no, I, I do know what you're saying. Dan, do you think that it's spreading the joy? You think that it's creating a larger berth? Um, uh, it's obviously, I think it's obviously a money maker. We're talking about your It's obviously all about money. Um, for them, they're you know, we we know that they're getting bribed left, right, and centre from every country going. So this is just another way to get the, the minor countries some more money. Um, yeah, I think there's no element of wanting to get football, you know, in every area in the world and make it the first, you know, first sport for all of these different countries. Fine. Um, there will be lots of teams that will really benefit from this. Lots of the smaller teams we've never heard of, the Shamrock Rovers of the world. That will do really well because, as I said, they only need one or two big games for a big payday, and that will keep them going for a while. So, if it's nothing but that, great. I think the problem you're going to have is the UK and the um, you know, the top league, Germany. You get like a Aston Villa, for example, or whoever. Even they aren't going to be interested in that because they've got a Premier League to worry about. So, even they're going to play kids. But I think the the point is that they're probably not going to batter teams nine nil because they're going to play the kids and it's a good opportunity it's just another opportunity for them they'll probably be a bit pissed off that they've got more games but they'll take it I doubt they'll get paid much the only thing that um, I would say is that the thing that made everyone used to hate the Europa League it was you know like um, Sevilla won it a few years in a row and I was like yeah well nobody really cares but as soon as they made the Europa League winner get a Champions League spot it suddenly became really valuable all these smaller Europa League, European teams for them to get into the Europa League would be massive. Right? To get to the Europa League, uh, like because they could play United, they could play Arsenal's, like yeah, proper big paydays. So for them, that's huge. That's an awesome competition to be able to get in, whereas they don't have anything right now. So yeah, I, it's a bit long-winded. I don't know when they're going to, I mean, how are they going to show it on a Thursday when they've got all the Europa League games as well? But I guess it does also, I think they're cutting the Europa League in half. They're lessening the qualifiers from 48 teams to 36 teams. Yeah, so it'll be 32 probably, wouldn't it? It'll be 32, like, yeah, 32 rather, something like that. Um, yeah, so, uh, and, you know, there's a lot of arguments, people saying, you know, the Europa League's too long, goes on forever, it's too many teams. So, uh, you know, it's an option. I like to at least they've come up with something. Where they're going to put the games, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. If like <laughs> no Amazon, idea, like, I wouldn't be surprised if like an Amazon picked it up or some kind of streaming. Oh, uh, maybe, yeah. Themselves. Well, the thing that I can't get my head around, though, is... Because of the nature of the the people that loot, the, the third place person in the Europa League group stage mm. then goes into the pot for the group stage of the Conference League, which means no, they're in the playoff. They're in the playoff game. No, I thought they then make it into the group stage. No, no, no. Because in the they... group stage, the top sixteen of one and the top bottom sixteen of another makes thirty-two. 
No, no. So the, the sure? winner, yeah, positive because that's that's because I thought that makes no sense because why would they be dropping down? They're going to be so even though it's four qualifying rounds, it is actually two in the sense that the winners of the three qualifying rounds is in the group stages of the conference league. The third place finisher in the groups in the Europa League will then face the second place winner of these qualifying groups to have a one game playoff to then enter the group stages. So, for instance, you know, uh, Arsenal could come to play into the playoffs, play into the playoffs and lose against the team and not make it into the Conference League group stages. So this is my point, is that what's going to happen is you're going to have the Champions League and the Europa League group stages finished. Yeah. And then the Conference League group stages are going to start because they've got... So they're going to be so far behind... That you're going to have like the Champions League knockouts. You're going to have PSG playing Barcelona while you've still got a fucking playoff game from Carabag against whoever else. It's really bizarre. It, it, there's no way it can align with at least the Europa League and the, like, the Champions League align. Well, it'll probably be something like doing World Cup qualifiers just before the Euros. You'd have to do it so far in advance. Like, maybe, maybe. Yeah, well, that's, that's the other problem is loads of teams might hate it because they have to yeah, start like, in like August. But for me, it's like I don't see, I don't quite understand how you can think that it's creating a birth between the elite teams and some of the lesson. You would have thought at least it's given them some money. But um, I think it is kind of spreading that joy. The one thing I would say to you, because you guys have pretty much covered it, is like I remember years ago, I don't know if we had this conversation, Dan, but like I think there should be a, a European, if they're going to do something like this league or another European league, why not do it for lesser teams? Why not do like a European championship for the, for, for uh, the championship teams or League One teams, because there's no point in there being an Aston Villa or a West Ham in there playing against some of these San Marino winner teams because the, the berths are still too big. I tell you what, that'd be interesting. Imagine the um, the the uh, championship and League One winners got qualified into that. That'd be quality. Yeah, because now if you take the, the the fact that they made it the Carabao Cup winners, it's just dumb because it's Man City every year. So. Yeah. All right. Well, it, well, do you know the last time that uh, a non-top six team won the Carabao Cup or the FA Cup? Wigan. I don't know. Yeah, 2013. Wigan. There you go. Right. That was longer than five minutes, but we can keep this one short. Um, let's go to our good friend Charlie Griffith of the uh, was it Punch Perfect podcast? Yeah, neutral corner. Neutral friend corner. of the show. There you go. I don't know if it's me, out. but you both disappeared. Uh, it's probably you because um, your internet's not very good. Can you still hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, then. We'll just carry on with that. Um, so his question was, and this is a, he's a Liverpool fan, by the way. So uh, now Gerard has won the SPL. Should he do what Rogers did and try to get a job at a club on the cusp of breaking into the top six to prove himself in the Premier League or stick out at Rangers? And if so, for how long? So, Dan, go on. Give us your, your thoughts on that one. Um, I don't so I, I don't think Gerard will do that. I think Gerard will stay at Rangers at least one more season, if not another, uh, for two reasons. One, he knows now that he needs to prove so he's done quite well in the Europa League, considering the year before, I think they got knocked out in the playoff game for the Europa League against some nothing team, they must have 4 0 or something stupid. Um, I think he did quite well, and this now puts them in contention for a Champions League qualifier. So I think he's absolutely staying because there's an opportunity. But do you think do you think he should though? Not what? Yeah, what no, I absolutely think he should because. But also the the thing about Gerard is that he went like he, he won trophies. He went his entire career trying to win the Premier League, never won it. Like I I think the guy's driven to win, 
And are you going to go and stay with Rangers, potentially go and win a few more trophies, the Scottish Cup, the, the Scottish League again, prove it wasn't just a one-hit wonder, prove you can do it again, and maybe give yourself a shot at the Champions League? Or are you going to go and take a, like an Aston Villa or whoever else are willing to take a chance on you? Well, you can pretty much guarantee in the next two years you're going to be fired because you're never going to win the league with them. You're never, you're like, the chance of winning a cup is so unlikely. What's the point? I, I'd, Rogers is slightly different. Rogers had he'd been at Liverpool. He he's been all over. Um, you know, he's coached Chelsea for a long time. I think it's very different. He was ready to step up and go. Look, I can take a club and I can build it and I can go and win stuff with them. Gerrard's just like second, third year of of uh, management. There's no way he should be doing that. He should look at Lampard and learn lessons. He should not be doing that. Yeah, I think there he is, build a dynasty and then go. Yeah, I think he should stay at Rangers. If not, like him, him and Rogers situations are very different and we we did the comparison a while ago you know out of Lampard Gerrard and and I think it was Rain Rooney like who's going to be the better manager but yeah learn from from Lampard's I wouldn't say mistake but just learn from his experience in the sense that the Premier League isn't the same as the 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 Scottish League I mean if we're going to do the comparison game again where would Rangers sit when it comes to the English League I, I don't know if they'd be would they in relegation battle for the Premier League? Would they be in the Championship? You know, maybe. But then, but but then, if you gave Gerard, I mean, I, I personally think Rangers have have some really good players. Like they, players like Moreos uh, and um, Tavernier, and I mean, even there's even a, an argument that the likes of Ryan Jack could step into the Premier League and be effective. But I think what we're missing with Gerard is. Eventually, he's going to want to be the Liverpool manager. Of course, he is. Like, and and where we're getting conflated with Lampard is that Lampard probably didn't have Chelsea on his radar that early. Yeah. But Chelsea turned around and offered him the job. And if you're Frank Lampard, you don't turn oh, down. Right, absolutely. Well, no, of course, you take. And the same with Gerard. If, if if they were to sack Klopp in the summer, yeah. And then come to him. Of course, he take. But that's not the question. Is do we think he should go and do what Rogers did and try yeah. and get a club on the cusp? In that, of top in that case, no. I'd wait for the Liverpool job. I think if he's if he sits tight for three or four years, I think eventually Klopp will either go to the likes of maybe like a Real Madrid or a Barcelona, or maybe he'll take the Germany job. Um, yeah, I, I definitely don't think Klopp will go to Bayern Munich having managed Borussia Dortmund. I think that's out of the question. Maybe a Juventus. But anyway, I think Klopp will move on eventually, whether it's to take the Germany job or whether it's to take a job like that. And then I think Gerard, if he carries on being successful, will be the next point of call. So I don't see what Gerard has to gain by going and taking like an Aston Villa or a or a Wolves. Uh, I mean, I, I, for me, like I, you know, I'm outside of being an Arsenal fan and wanting success for Arsenal. I really like Gerard. I've always had yeah, a, a real I good do. soft spot for him. I want him to go into that Liverpool job. Like ready to take it on and do as best as he can because he did. He wasn't able to win a championship with them as a player, but if he was able to do that as a manager, I personally would love that for him. And I, like, I'd love he, that. Yeah, if he, I mean, but you know, how far along would that be down the line? Because you're thinking like, what, 10, 12 years where he might have the experience in the cachet? Because I, I know there's a lot of managers that go around, but surely it takes a play, uh, a manager some some real experience. This is his first big job, isn't it? This is his first yeah. managerial yeah. job. I mean. Yeah. He's like a few years older than me. Like you always imagine good managers with grey hair and weathered look like they're they're closer to fifty yeah. than they are to. But then, 30. but then there's a lot of good young managers about now. Like I mean, yeah, but Rory, good young managers, good young managers, and managers that are actually going to win you Premier Leagues, that are actually going to win you 
uh, European Cups and, and silverware. I mean, like that, there's a big difference between being a good manager, being an Eddie Howe, for instance, who is good for Bournemouth, and actually being a big six, a big four, one of the biggest clubs in the world type manager. That's a whole different beast. But Gerard's already got the name. So it's not like I'm gonna and I'm gonna sound like I'm digging him out. An Arteta who doesn't have anywhere long, near I've timed that. How long did it get to for yeah, it, Arteta doesn't have anywhere near the pedigree when it comes to his playing career of Steven Gerrard. I mean, Steven Gerrard, we're talking about an absolute legend. Um, and for every example where you can say like uh, a, a really good player has flopped as a manager, you've only got to look at Zidane. And I think once a player's of a certain level, i.e. Zinedine Zidane, Steven Gerrard, when they walk into a dressing room, they command respect automatically. But that only I mean, lasts so long. Like, it that does, only lasts so but, long. Then, but then, I mean, I guarantee you, for example, the likes of Marcelo and Ramos, because they're, they're a couple of years older than us, when Zidane walked into that dressing room, they'd have been thinking, fucking hell, Zinedine Zidane. You know, because as much as they're already superstars in their own right, that happens. You hear it in multiple sports of... Of a player like Zidane, and it'll be the same as when if Messi ever decides. I mean, I can't really see. But Messi how's yet. that worked out for the Zidane so far? Well, how has it worked oh, out? Yeah. Pretty well. He's won three Champions Leagues. <laughs> he sent he sent Bale back to Spurs. So he's well, exactly. So he's done that. He, uh, yeah. If, if, if you if you'd start, if you said how well has that worked out at Juventus this season, then maybe I'd, I'd buy it. But that's a, yeah that, yeah. I mean Juventus Juventus is again Juventus of. I mean, but then there's no saying that Pirlo won't get it right eventually. Yeah, um, he, won't get, he won't get it right eventually. You don't think so? Anyone that doesn't play Dybala at Juventus doesn't know what they're doing. <sighs> Big statement. All I'd right. love to re. I'd love to re. And I'm not. I'm not disagreeing with you with Dybala. I think Dybala is a great player. But if you're saying that you think Pirlo will not have a decent overall managerial career, I would. I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you yet, but I would hold back on that. For yeah, no, I'm not. I'm not suggesting he'll have a terrible career. I just don't think he's good enough, experienced enough. Whatever. He's just got the Uve job because of who he is. Yeah, and they hope he'd yeah. go and do it to Dan. But you can't play Kulusevski right wing back and expect to win. Right. Yeah, that is a that is a question. That's for another day. Another day. Yeah. Next we're getting week, off, if we're someone. Get- yeah, one of our big fans could write a question about how good Pilo would be as a manager. Yeah, be a we've, better, uh, we've yeah. got off topic. But I believe we've answered that question. <laughs> Just a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, I don't know. We, so we all surmise that Zidane's a terrible manager. Good. All right, <laughs> last question um, is from Joshua at Vintage Crispy, good friend of Rory's. Uh, his question is, so look, I'm going to read this question out. I don't know whether it's a bad question or it's a because it's a bad question or because it seems like it's two weeks late now. So uh, remind me, do you feel like Ole didn't really appreciate how important the cup was for his chances for silverware with his team selection tonight? Fred and Tellers seem not up to the task at hand. I'm assuming, Rory, this question was from when they played AC Milan in the second leg of the Europa, Europa League, which they won and went through. So, yeah, I think it was. It's more. It's a team selection question. So, well, he said, are they up for the importance of the cup? He did the job. So if they lost, I could kind of understand that question, but they won. So he clearly, his priorities were measured well enough to actually get through without necessarily playing his A-star players. But then is that, is that a risky, I mean, you're, 
I'm not the Man United fan here, and I I don't watch Man United anywhere near as much as Danny. That's does. funny. You said you said before the pod, pass this Danny straight off the bat, and you were like, so you've you asked, yeah, yeah, I yeah, so you've asked me to throw me off. Cheers, mate. No, um, I I think that I don't I, I don't particularly rate Oli as a manager. Um, Fantastic. I believe a club the size of Man United should have a better manager than Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. Like I don't. Be- I don't believe that Man United, and I don't believe that Arsenal are clubs that you learn at. I believe they're clubs you go to when you're established. And I think he probably believes that he needs to do something big domestically before worrying about the Europa League. That's my opinion. I, I, I although, although I think winning the Europa League would be massive for Man United because it's a European trophy. I think in his head, his priority is the league. But, but Danny can answer this question a lot better than I can. Uh, I. I'd agree with that. I think his priority is the league and I think he has to prioritise the league because there's a chance, he, there's a very high chance he doesn't win the Europa League, in which case if he doesn't get in the top four, he loses Champions League, he loses his job. Like that, end of. And if, the reason he will lose his job is because exactly as you said, Roy, like he's done he's done an actually a brilliant job for May United. He really has. He's stab- stabilised it. He's got rid of some people he didn't need. He's got in some good signings. done some weird shit with, um, uh, what's his name? Donny. Bad debate, but other yeah. than that, oh. like he's he's been pretty sta- like stable, and he's been pretty good, and he's a he says all the right things, like he's everything they want, right? But ultimately, he's not the world class manager that you'd expect to be managing Man United. So the moment things go really bad for him, he's out, and I think he knows that. And so why why is he going to put himself in any situation? where he could let that happen when he's got a good thing going on? Yeah, can I ask a question? And Rory, please don't jump in because I'm just about to digress a little bit, but. For me, the way it goes, uh, for for particularly in England, and I don't know if it's for other European fans, um, there's the priority where the Premier League is the absolute top. It doesn't matter whether there's the Europa League or the um, FA Cup or the Carabao Cup. The only thing that can be above that is the Champions League. So when you talk about Europe, and we're going to have the new European Farmers League soon, which is going to be another cup, it's good to, enough to win those things, but if it isn't the Champions League and if you're not prioritising that and almost guarantee a win, the Premier League is the top one. Because for you, for instance, Rory, uh, Arteta's won the FA Cup and you still think he's the worst manager that's ever lived. So if Ole's going to win the Europa League, for instance, that doesn't really matter if he were, in theory, to come uh, fifth, sixth, seventh almost. That would be good for that one night, that final, which you won. But after that, next season, that would be fucking long gone. And I agree. It's a legacy thing for him, for him to come second again. For him to come second with May United two years in a, two years in a row would be unbelievable. Mm. We come second last year. Am I making that up? No, we came second, right? I don't remember the back end of last year. No, <laughs> it was a bit of a blur, but no, I'm pretty sure you know um, came second. So for, to do that two years in a row when you've got the, the likes of Liverpool and City in the in the mix, I mean, it's pretty impressive stuff. And so yeah. that's his yeah. legacy that he'll leave. What I will say about your point, Chris, is that I think a lot of that, and when you're talking about legacy and stuff and how other European uh, fans of other European clubs, clubs find it, I think it's entirely dependent on the size of the club and the type, type of the club. Um, I'll give you an example. Two seasons ago, Real Betis, or actually, let's go back three seasons. Real Betis managed to finish sixth. Um they then qualified for the Europa League. And then that the season they were in the Europa League, they had a run to the cup semi-final where they eventually lost over two legs to Valencia. And they also had a run to the last 
eight in the Europa League. Losing the Europa League completely derailed their whole season because winning the Europa League for a club like Real Betis would be the same as winning the Europa League for a club like Everton or a club like yeah, Aston Villa uh, or massive. a club like Leicester. It well, would be massive. Um, whereas winning the Europa League... That's not the same League, for Man United. Well, it'd be good because the thing is, like, fans love a day out. They love an event. So winning the, winning the Europa that, League... No one's having a day out at the moment anyway. So, well, no one's having a day out at the moment anyway. But I think it would be great for a club like Man United to win the Europa League. I mean, for all of 10 minutes and then when that hangover runs out the next day... Look, Look, United, United won the Europa League for Man United. Don't forget, Mourinho exactly. won the Europa League. Man United, but whereas, if, if Leicester won the League, if Leicester won it, yeah. if Real Betis won it, if I'll try and think of a, an Italian equivalent, if Torino Palmer. won the Europa League, if Benfica Torino. won the Europa League, it would be massive. You know, if a, a sort of a tier two or tier three European club. I think we're all agreeing. Yeah, I know we're arguing and agreeing at the same time, which is uh, oh yeah, yeah. we're all agreeing that May United. Uh, we've kind of gone off topic here, as you said we would, Chris. But the, the point is with Oli. Like, who actually asked the, the question? I don't think Fred is a. I don't think playing Fred in an important Euro, Europa League game. It was an important game against AC Milan, who I thought one of the favourites for it anyway at the start of the season. I don't think playing Fred is giving up. I don't think that's no, going. No, I don't give a shit about this. What about Tellers? Like, well. I also don't think Tellers is a bad player. Like I, I know Shaw is playing out of his skin, and so and he's one of the best left backs at the moment in the league. But one, you do need to rest players, and so take an opportunity. But two, I don't think Tellers is too bad a, a backup. To be honest, he takes all their corners, free kicks. He's not as good defensively, but he still gets down the wing. And I think I, I don't think it was a cop out at all. Like if they played, I don't know, some God knows some kids. If he played some of the youth team, absolutely fair enough. Right? He can't be doing that, but. The, you know, these are first team players. They're, yeah, they're he, first team he played. He played players that would and could start, and I'm pretty sure they have started in the Premier League. In, this in the Premier League, I agree. So that, yeah. that is something. I'll finish on this. Like hindsight is a very good tool for fans because before the game, you could look at certain lineups and say, "Oh, I understand the team he's picked because they need to prioritize this, or certain players are tired." But then they lose, and you're like, "Oh, what the f was he doing?" Whereas, you know, sometimes. Uh, teams have played kids and stuff like that. If one, you're like, oh, that was good. It was wise for him to play these young players. So you could go either way. Like, I, I didn't think that, that Ole was that. If you're going to criticise him, I don't think that was the right time to be doing it. But You know what's funny? Well, I'm confused now. I'm just looking at the lineups. So in the second leg, Luke Shaw played. So we must have been talking about the first leg with Alex Telles played, but then Matic played over Fred. So I'm really confused by this question. Yeah, I, again, I thought it was a bad question because I was trying to look up and I'm like, <laughs> is he talking about the Carabao Cup? Or maybe I can't work just, out what Cup he's talking about maybe now. We've just, maybe this is why this has made us the most contentious one of the lot because we don't know what's going on with it. Does he mean yeah. the FA Cup? Does he mean the FA Cup lost to Leicester? Is that what he was talking has about? Has to. Has to be. Did Tellez and, did Tellez and, um, and Fred... Well, well, Tellez and Fred started, but then they're the wrong example because you'd look at that side and go, well, you played Donny van der Beek and he didn't play very well, but fair enough. Um, but that was the only game they rested Bruno and you know what happens when you rest Bruno, you don't win. So, Maybe just means the Cups in general. Strange he's, question. He's talking about the FA Cup. Yeah, it must be. Either way, right, I, I think United were a bit naive in that FA Cup. I did, like if we're talking about that Leicester game. But Leicester yeah. played really well and they're a good side and on their day, they're tough to beat. Right, oh, we're not, spend day, day, we're not spending another five minutes talking about yeah. that. All right, let's, let's, the wrong game. let's move on. Is it game time? Oh, yeah. you're the host. Is that right? Yeah, you're going to move on. <laughs> on. He's taking over. 
Go on, Chris. No, game time. Game time. <laughs> All right. Is it game time? It's game time. Right. So this one, I haven't come up for a name. I haven't come up for a name uh, for this game yet. Um, for now, I'm going to call it Gareth Barry. All right. Okay. okay. It's can, I guess what, can I guess what the game is? Go on, guess what the game is. It's going to be to do with lots of caps. Nearly. So All what right. I'm going to do is we start with Gareth Barry, who had 53 caps for England and scored three goals, instantly. Yeah. And you two are then going to take turns. I'm going to name another Higher player. or lower. Higher or lower. You're going to go higher or lower on caps. So, to I've got a good name for this game. Pardon? Higher or lower. You've got a great name for this game. It's yeah, called higher or lower. Yeah. yeah, no, that's too boring. Right. right. So, we start with Is Gareth Barry. Stock? We'll call it stock prices, because they go up and they go down. And they go down and stay down. Right. The, the only rule is all of these players have retired. Okay. Who's going first? Chris is going first. We Ooh, start nice. with Gareth Barry. First. Okay. We start with Gareth Barry, who played 53 times for England. The next player. Many. The next player is Paul Scholes. Oh, he, he did less than that. You're saying less than. Yeah, less travesty. Than, travesty. Less than 54. 53. 53. Right. Paul Scholes played 66 times for England oh, and scored 14 no, that, goals. So that's incorrect. No chance he had less than 50 caps. Okay. No way. The next player, Danny. How many was his? 60? 66 was Scholes. Six. All right. Yeah. The next player is Argentina, Valencia, Raul Zaragoza and Benfica. Playmaking genius, Pablo Aymar. Oh, I thought you were going down the Raquelme route for a minute. No, Pablo Aymar. Uh, how many caps did he have? Higher or lower than 66? I mean, Jesus Christ, for Argentina. Um, wait, I, I thought I think he played from quite young. Tiny guy, wasn't he? Yeah. Aymar. Um, big hair. Yeah, I, I, probably sure. more. I'm going to go more, higher. More, more than 66. He actually played 52 times. Oh, yeah. What is this, Danny? More or less or higher or lower? Come on. I don't know. What, what I will say is that he was unfortunate in that he came along at exactly the same time as the likes of Raquel May, Veron, and, and even Simeone when, when he first came into the team. So he was struggling for game time in the midfield. We've, so gone, I think from, did... we've gone from Gareth Barry to Paul Scholes to fucking Pablo Ibar. Omar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I think he was he, he did quite well to get 52. All right, yeah, Christopher. All right, Tied at nil-nil. Pablo Aymar got 52. Carlo Ancelotti, higher or lower than 52? Jesus. I'm assuming he played for Italy. Well, yes. But no points for that. Ah. Oh. Um, higher or lower than 54? Higher or lower than 52? Um, let's go for... Let's go for less. Correct. Yeah. Carlo Ancelotti played 26 times for Italy. You know what? I was going to say 27. Oh. Right. He played 26 times for Italy, scoring one goal. He was a, he was a centre-back, wasn't he? He was a striker, weirdly. So I don't know how he only managed one goal in 26 games. Well, that's, or that's why he only that's, played 26 yeah. games. That's why he only played good. 26. That's why he's a good manager, because he's a bad player. Okay, Danny Gazzett, Mauricio yeah. Pochettino, higher or lower than 26? Ooh. He, I remember him with his headbands playing yeah. for Argentina. Um, Espanol as well. Espanol. Yeah. Espanol. Uh, yeah, that's why he hates Barcelona. Um, 
he, he, he played a fair bit during those years. Um, how, how many more? 26? Oh, yeah, more than 26. I'm going higher. Ooh. Incorrect. He played 20 times. The reason oh, you remember what? is because he played in a World Cup. Played against England, didn't he? Yeah, in the, in the World Cup. Yeah, in '98. Oh. That's why you remember him because he was playing in the day in the game Beckham got sent off. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. oh, but, and, and again, another one, a really good player, but he was probably unfortunate that he came along at the same time as people like Walter Samuel. Um, I can't think of the other Argentinian centre back around that time, but yeah, just quite unlucky that he came al- came along at that time. Who? PK. No, wasn't it the guy with the blonde? PK Spanish, big blonde hair. Cafu. Oh, anyway. you're thinking of Ayala? Yes, I'm thinking of Ayala. Oh, Ayala. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, Chris Alley. I'm not doing very well here. Chris Alley. Michael Ballack. Oh, that's higher than 20. Correct. Michael Ballack got 98 caps. Yeah, it's massive. Scoring 42 goals, which when you think about it, for a player who you wouldn't have really had down as an attacking player, that's outrageous. 42 Michael goals. Ballack was an absolute genius. He and, and, he's, and do you know what? The fact that he went to Chelsea at like 31, 32, I think people get, people underrate him for. Oh, he I think he was, yeah, Munich, he was amazing. He was the and at Leverkusen And at Kaiserslautern as well, when he first came through. Okay. Sure. Danny. Yeah. Zinedine Zidane, higher or lower than 98? He started late. Um, I'm going to... Did he break 100? He must have done. He must have done. How many, how many World Cups did he play in? Yeah, I'm going to go higher. Zinedine Zidane played 108 times. Oh. So that is correct. That is big. That is big. That is a big hole. That's put you right back in it. It's 2-1 at the minute. As I move on to Chris Alley's question... Marcelo Salas, Chilean genius. Higher or lower than 108? <laughs> Chris doesn't even know who that is. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> Marcelo a- Salas, Chilean genius. Well, you, he clearly is a great guy, so I'm just going to say higher. He Lower. Oh. Salas, got, Salas got 70 caps. Jesus which, Christ. considering they didn't actually qualify for that many World Cups around that time, yeah, I was but quite it, surprised. When the day of the uh, the South American Concaf or whatever it is, like. yeah, they would have. He would have. He would have played in a couple of Copa Americas, but they missed. I think they qualified for a World Cup in '98, and then I don't think they actually qualified again until two, until until 2010. So they went 12 years without playing in a World Cup. I'd have to fact check that though. Yeah, all right. We'll so, get to you on that. Still two one. Marcelo Salas got 70 caps, Danny Gazzett. Christian Vieri, higher or lower? Don't know no, you always, used to, you always used to play with Vieri on pro. Do you remember? You always buy him on pro, Vieri. He's awesome. And on footy manager as well. But Vieri uh, was outrageous. Yeah. Uh, Christian Vieri. I don't remember him playing that much for... Freely. Arsenal legend. Uh, I, I, I don't reckon he got 70 caps I don't remember him playing that much So you're going lower I'm going lower Correct Christian Vieri played 49 times Which sounds like not a lot But then when you consider Around that it era They had Del Piero yeah. They had Montella They had Inzaghi Baggio. They had Francesco Totti I, I've probably 
Would Baggio have still been in his heyday? Mm, maybe Baggio, to maybe Vieri. Yeah, because Baggio would have been early 90s. And Vieri, because yeah. I had to Wikipedia all these players earlier, was born in 73. So he'd have been early yeah. 20s when Baggio was at his peak, around 94. So, yeah. yeah. So it's too all. I was talking about Roberto Baggio. He always used to wear really baggy tops, isn't it? Well, that was more the era than the than his yeah, era. Baggio. That was the um oh, if any of our listeners know where to get older one, a 1994 Colombia. Um uh, this is Carlos, Val- Carlos Valderrama say, yeah, shirt. Yeah, yeah. I thought you I will, a pay, I will pay silly money for a Carlos Valderrama shirt with his uh, with his number 10 on the back from 94. Just think Valderrama. it's an outrageous shirt. Okay. Next one, Chris. Christian Vieri got 49. Marco Matarazzi, higher or lower than 49? Oh, do you know, I might be, I might be getting captured by the uh, World Cup thing you said earlier. Um, 49. Has to be higher, surely. Higher. Marco Matarazzi played for the Azuri. 41 times. That is incorrect. Oh, and what I'll say, another one, is great player, Matarazzi, but his career clashed with Nesta, Cannavaro, and then oh, even cool. Maldini could do a job in the middle. And then yeah. towards the end of Matarazzi's career, the likes of Barzagli, Chiellini, Bonucci came along. So, again, unlucky of, unlucky around the era that he was born. Okay, Danny. He was a bit yeah. of a knob, though, wasn't he? Matarazzi? A yeah. little bit. Yeah. He's got some. We're getting to the nitty gritty now. We only have three questions left. Are we at he's, two? Uh, how many times did nitty gritty get for his poise? Xavi Hernandez. Xavi. Uh, Xavi, Xavi, Xavi. He played a ton of times. Xavi is in the Xavi. As in the Xavi. Yeah. Uh, uh, higher than 41. Correct. He played 133 times. Yeah, I mean, for goodness sake, Rory. Uh, I didn't choose the order. I did, but you know, I had to. I had to get him in somehow. Chris Alley, Andres Iniesta, higher or lower than Xavi Hernandez is one three three. Um, mm, let me see. As I think, while Danny's on mute, so when he comes off mute, I can answer. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go for lower. Lower. Andres Iniesta played 131 times. Oh, dear. That is close. That Which is very play. close. I was, are either you two surprised at that? I assumed Iniesta would have more. Because no, I, I thought he had less. No, nah, I thought I would have gone less as well. I, yeah. I, I didn't realize Xavi was so high. I thought Iniesta played on for a couple of years after Xavi. So I just assumed he'd have more and then forgot that Xavi probably started earlier. Why, so, do, you, why do you ask questions and then don't allow us to answer? Well, go ahead and answer. No, it's fine. All right, good. Um, we are now at a tie break. Lovely. We're not because I'm three two up. No, it's three all. Oh no, you got that one right. Yeah, sorry, yeah, you got that one all right. right. It's bad. three all. So that means we have a tiebreaker. Oh, and I started. That's fine. Yeah, the tiebreaker is Pep Guardiola. Okay, and you need to guess how many appearances he made for Spain, and the closest one will be today's winner. So, so I think Chris should go first because he had an extra question in that game. Because <laughs> he started and finished. That's true, actually. Chris, you have, Chris, you have to go first. 
Um, Pep Guardiola got 27 caps. So you've gone 27 for Guardiola. Danny? I, I would have gone in the 50s. Um, got no idea. Pep Guardiola. Well, actually, do I, I don't then remember. You should, just, you should just say 28 then. Yeah, I don't remember him playing Spain, but I, he played loads of Barca, so he must have done. I'm, I'm going to go 28. Pep Guardiola played 47 times, oh. which means today's winner is Danny Gazzett. Yes. I would have got for what it's worth, I would have said 50. So I'd have been much closer. Yeah, you'd have been much closer. Uh very good. Very good. Yes, some well some uh, blast from the past in there. Yeah, I try to I try to vary up a little bit. I thought it was gonna be all England. That's tough. Yeah. Uh um, right. good game. Very good game. I thought you were gonna do the one we talked about yours. No, I, I was gonna do that, then I forgot where it was. <laughs> what did we mention of mine? It was shirt numbers. Uh, Sh- oh, I was I was going to do something to do with shirt numbers, but then save it for another day. Save we'll it save it for another day. There's only four of us, so it'll be my turn in a month. Yeah, we haven't even mentioned Mark, and we've got an hour and ten minutes into the pod. Right? Uh, yeah, Mark's not here. He's just not his usual quiet self. He actually isn't here because uh, <laughs> he's playing football. So he thought, "Why don't we try a threesome and then do the pod?" Hey, good one. Set that up. I'm glad you took that one. You're, yeah, you're welcome. Right, let's just go with front three, back four then. Sweet. Yeah. Um, Rory, you happy if I go first? Yeah. Wonderful. Dan, you're cool with that? I mean, it's not normal. We don't normally do this, but I guess so. Well, I just like, you know what I mean? I like doing that sort of stuff. You won the game. At least give me this consolation prize. Go on then. You go first. Right, in my front three this week of fatties. Bit harsh. Uh, why? Elaborate. Uh, Krispy Kreme made an announcement they were going to give free glazed donuts to everyone that would get vaccinated for the COVID jab in America. Um, there are a few anti-vaxxers out there and they're unsure about it. So Krispy Kreme thought if we just offer them one of our lovely glazed donuts, people might actually get their jab done. So you just present them with your little certificate and say that you've got it done. Boom. Jobs are good. Un. You're on mute, Dan. Oh, yeah. Has it worked? Um, oh, I don't know because I don't live there, but I know that some people are arguing because um, obesity is one of the main contributors to people dying of COVID. Um, so their answer was to give them beautifully glazed donuts. I mean, I think it's genius, but there you go. Because the people, type of people that are going to go for one free donut ain't just having one donut. They're buying a dozen or baker's dozen. So, yeah. What is a baker's dozen? 13. Also. Yeah. I'm not sure why, though. Do you know why uh, the uh, baker had brown hands? <laughs> Such a great joke. Why? Because he needed a poo. What? <laughs> Needing is the process of... Oh, fuck's sake. That is dreadful. <laughs> this is a family show, Chris. <laughs> yeah, that's a classic, yeah. Is it? That is, one of my, that is one of my better jokes, yeah. <laughs> one of his better ones. There we go. In my back four this week is um is a uh, TNs. Do you know what TNs are? Well, what the trainers? Yeah, TNs. Yeah, or one tens. We used to call them back in the day because that's how much they cost. Um, <laughs> well, it's it's Nike, it's H and M, and it's all these other retail outlets because uh, in China they're banning all the shops from opening. Um, some of these retail outlets have have been a little bit outspoken about where their cotton and materials have been garnered. Some say it might be um, done by, uh, I don't know, 
ways means against human rights and the Uyghurs. And China doesn't like that. China doesn't like Nike and H&M speaking out and saying, maybe you should change your business practices. So they're stopping people from going to their shops, closing them down and stopping deliveries and stuff like that. So um, unfortunately for us, that means our 110s are probably going to cost 200 because we also can't benefit from slave labor. So um, it's unfortunate for us, but hopefully something good happens from it. So, uh, yeah, you might have to buy more of your secondhand uh, football tops, Rory, because you ain't going to be able to buy a new one. <laughs> Cheers for that. That's all right. Go on, who wants to go next? Go on. Go on, Rory. Okay. All right, Danny. Okay. okay. Uh, so in my front four this week, my front three this week, even thing that's exciting me this week is Formula One because we are all sports here, so all people. Um, I know you two don't. I know you two don't care, but the Formula One. I like One driving. I like I like racing. Don't give me that. The Formula One is back, and it did not disappoint. Oh, so, I bet it didn't. Uh, it did not. It was fucking great. How many so, circles did they drive in? <laughs> So many. It was like 50 plus circles. Fucking awesome. I love it. Uh, but uh, so there's been, so obviously everyone knows that um, Mercedes have been winning for the last decade, basically unchallenged and everyone thinks it's very boring. It's because they've got the fastest fine. car, isn't it? Yeah. Well, well, so the FIA, who are like the FA, but the FIA, uh, have changed the regulations this year. Basically, they've found a loophole to make it so that Mercedes aren't as good as everyone else. Uh, and they've brought the whole field back together. And then it was super exciting because Max Verstappen in the Red Bull was the fastest all weekend. He was on pole. He should have won it. And, uh, and he crumbled. And he should have overtaken. He could have overtaken Hamilton on the third to last lap. He went off track, had to give the position back, then messed up and never caught. Hamilton outdrove him in the last lap and beat him. And everyone uh, was going crazy because uh, Hamilton proved just what an amazing driver he is, even without the better car this time. He still won. I think so, that's unfair uh, that they've added an extra loophole on the track for Mercedes to drive. <laughs> yeah, unreasonable. they've got to do an extra loop. Yeah, that's unreasonable. Yeah. But what's uh, the loophole that they found? Uh, it's not a loophole. They basically changed the regulations to say like a car can't have a certain amount of whatever. And it just so happens Mercedes are the ones that have that, that thing on their car and it gives them their advantage. So, How terrible, is there been discussion at fun, but how terrible will it be when they eventually all go to e-cars? Uh, well, they were, there's already Formula E. Oh, really? Well, what is an E car? For those of us that don't know anything about motorsports, electronic car. Yeah, you don't need to know motorsports. You need to not live under a rock. Uh, <laughs> e cars. Yeah, well, 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 those races will probably last about 15 minutes, right? What? <laughs> yeah, so need to recharge. Yeah, yeah. Well, esports. So the reason esports launched was two things. One, every single car is identical because everyone argued, like, it's not fair. Like, if you give good drivers all the same car, then we'll really see who's the better driver. Turns out, no one really gives a crap because it's really boring. Uh, so we'd much rather Formula One. It's that I love, I love it. It's, it. It was back this weekend. It's now off for three weeks, but it will be back again. And um, yeah, didn't disappoint. There's now a F1 fantasy um, thing where you pick your F1 players, which is just down my street. So uh, yeah, love it. Such losers. Go on, what's your bat for? Uh, in my back four this week, um, you have to bear with me here, Chris. Just you know, this is this is, this is uh, big stuff. Um, my my back four is Fiat, the car, specifically the Fiat 500. So um, as you guys, I'm sure, all know, men in the know, there's been a big craze of cryptocurrency recently over the last year, or couple of years. And um, so the new Fiat 500 owners have decided 
that their new eco, talking of eco, at Fiat 500 is going to reward its drivers with cryptocurrency. So when you buy a Fiat 500, they, they have a tracker on the car and they give you an efficiency score of how efficient and eco your driving is. And depending on how well it is, every mile that you do, you earn cryptocurrency through them. And they think it's in it. What they're trying to do is show everyone that um, we're, we're really eco friendly and we're really encouraging people to drive economically because they'll get rewarded. The thing they've completely missed is that the inefficiency of cryptocurrency is so massive that the amount of energy used just to create one Bitcoin is more than like the entire energy that China uses in a year. So, although great idea, some marketeer somewhere has gone, I, this, this will be good, this will be great, everyone's going to want to get on this. Uh, they've completely missed the point. But, and I think when it comes out, there'll be those eco-warriors not be very happy with this. Well, I think the eco-warriors probably would be fine with it because they like to uh, make movements based on half knowledge. So they'll have the good <laughs> half, but they'll ignore the bad. Yeah, but, um, well, and if that's the case, then they've done a fantastic job. Also, I would just push back and say that not everyone would want fiat coins. So I don't care who you are. It's, well, it's, not, not, a a fiat, it's not a fiat coin. It's not their own coin. They've partnered with a cryptocurrency. There's an Thirdly, actual currency. The only time that this is ever going to mean anything to me is if I can drive to a petrol station and reasonably buy a Mars bar because they are fucking expensive there. So if I've got enough to buy a Mars bar, I know I've got enough to do anything else. So, yeah. Okay. All right. Very good. Thanks, guys. Rory, finish us off. Um, mine are both football related. Oh, um, yeah. I, nice so change. in my back four today is, and I've been meaning to do this for the last two weeks, Mr. Agnelli, who is the chairman of Juventus, who wants <laughs> a lock, a locked in. But actually, he owns Fiat as well. Ah, so oh, look at that. It ties in with Danny's Simpatico. one. So this knobhead wants to... Oh, also make, runs with Danny. Go on. Yeah. <laughs> um, wants to make the Champions League a closed shop. Um, I just absolutely hate it. What do you mean, like a ring fence? It. No, no... Ring fence the Champions League. He wants um, basically to choose eight or 12 teams um, who are the biggest in Europe and he wants and to exclude play. everyone else. Because he's a greedy bastard who wants the Champions League money guaranteed every year. Um, for people like me, and actually you two as well, I know you both quite well. Sometimes the best, the best stories of a Champions League uh, of a Champions League campaign is to watch the Ajax or to watch the Atalanta or to watch the Napoli when they haven't been in it for a few years, have a run to the quarters or semi-finals. And you two and my other mates as well who are massive football fans, I know that's something we all enjoy and we all love to see. So by making the Champions League a closed shop, it just, to be honest with you, will just make it a shit spectacle compared to, you know, right. if you you're watching about... Atletico Madrid against Bayern every year or Barca against... Right. Um, against if you think about the winners, like the, like when you when you think about upsets in the Champions League, you think about the Porto with Mourinho, you think about Monaco, you think about like the, you know, the times when there were proper upsets it was proper awesome that's what it's all about and that's the magic of it yeah yeah it's although just... although we won't have a situation where everton gets in champions league and just but you know what if ever if, if ancelotti gets everton in the champions league and then gets them you know they're probably they've probably earned it and probably deserve it and they'll probably have a good enough team if they get there that's the difference they, if they're there they, it's because they're good enough and if they're doing well it's because they're good enough well just, just because they the haven't everton... got a Juventus badge i was referring to the everton way back when when they made it and just made did absolutely nothing with it 
Yeah, but then saying that, like, I love watching Ajax get to the semis. Obviously, I hated watching yeah. him go out to Spurs. But I love watching Ajax the other year. I thought that was such a well-balanced, nice, organised, but free-flowing football team. You know, the likes of... And I, it's a bit sad, actually, because um, Van der Beek's obviously having problems at United now. Um, De Ligt is not really pulling up any trees at Juve. And Frankie Frank de, Frank de Jong's starting to pick up. He's starting to be all right in the second half of the season. But he did get shoved out on the right wing, which I thought yeah. was the most bizarre tactical move ever. And ZX finally got his move, but he's been injured for most But of he's it. been injured. Yeah, I feel like that team's sort of like, it was greater than its parts because since it's been dissembled, yeah. the players haven't done that well. But yeah, I love that. Back anyway, four, Rory. My front three, back, you mean? Front three. Yeah, it was his back four. My front three... It's a bit of breaking news. I don't even know whether this counts as a front three, but I just wanted to eulogise and pay homage to... Is it the Aguero news? It is the Aguero news. I, I just wanted to say, basically, What's I've always news? believed that Aguero is a top five Premier League striker of all time. Um, I think the man's an absolute genius. I've followed his career since he broke onto the scene uh, playing for Atletico Madrid. Actually, my mate Charlie, if he's still listening an hour and 10 minutes in, will tell you that I once, in about 2009, declared Aguero better than Messi because uh, Atletico... I know that was a big statement at the time. Atletico Madrid had just beat Barca, the Barca, with Iniesta, Yaya Torre, uh, Xavi. Uh, Atletico Madrid turned them over 4-2 and Aguero scored a hat-trick. Back when we could watch... Yeah, back when we could watch Spanish football on Sky TV on a Saturday night. I don't know if you remember, a long time ago. I remember that game. Yeah, and I I declared Aguero the best player in the world after that. Um, I just think he's an absolute genius. I think um, we didn't see enough of him and Messi in an Argentina shirt together because there was always a problem with Argentina of trying to shoehorn as many attacking players into a team as as possible. So we saw Higuain in there. We saw Maxi Rodriguez in there. We saw, you know, my one biggest regret is that we never got to see a front three of Raquel May playing behind Messi and Aguero because that would have absolutely torn up, torn everybody apart. But yeah, I just think um, he is one of the greatest Premier League strikers of all time. I think he's one of the greatest Argentinian players of all time. And wherever he goes, I wish him the absolute best of luck. Because he's just, so, just so everyone knows, the news is he said he's going to leave Man City at the end of the He's going to leave Man City. Where do you, just quickly, where, where do you not think he'll end up? Um, depending on what happens to Suarez, he could go to Atletico to finish there. They'd probably take him. 100%. Uh, uh, I'm just going to say uh, any random club because I just found this news out now and I'm going to say Paris Saint-Germain for no apparent reason. I'm, I'm going to say he goes back to his, um, goes back to Argentina. I Danny took that as a serious answer. He's like, well, yeah. and let's debate I think that he, for another 10 minutes. I think this is going to be a massive statement and clip this up, Christopher Alley. In three years' time, Messi and Aguero up front for Newell's old boys. You heard it here first. Oh, massive news. Massive news. We are going to write that down and make sure we remember. Write free. that down. Yeah, right, with Bielsa, with Bielsa Messi, the manager. Yeah, right. Messi and Aguero up top for Newell's. Very with good. Raquel May in behind. With, with a 50-year-old <laughs> Raquel May in behind. Good. And Canales right. on the bench. <laughs> Lovely. So let's. Um, what we'll do is we'll, uh, we'll wrap up now. Next week, listen up, because next week we're going to argue... Who's the best football player ever? Ronaldo or Aguero? All right. <laughs> See you guys next week. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Bye.